Hello and welcome to Publish Me, a monthly podcast series from the AS21 Podcast Network, where we explore the publishing process of the fantasy epic, The Will of the Magi. I'm your host, Keith F. Shovelin, publisher and chief creative of AS21, and joining me as always is... Hello everyone, this is Paul Dickinson Russell, the author of The Will of the Magi. I hope everyone is doing well this wonderful March. And of course, also our newest co-host. Hi, I'm Rana, I'm going to be the cover artist for Will of the Magi. I'm excited to be here. And this year is looking to be full of new, exciting adventures, and I'm excited. Woohoo! Excitement! I want to thank Rana for now joining us as a regular contributor to the podcast. Obviously, you have different experiences than Paul and I, so obviously you'd have your own insight that you'd be able to offer here, and hopefully you're willing to do so, and it could be a nice, entertaining time for all of us. I certainly hope so. My experience might be limited as of yet, but I, I, I hope at the very least I can give some insight to other people sort of in my situation sort of starting out as a as a freelancer building a career all right pretty much all three of us are starting out this in a way i mean this was the first podcast series for as21 my first experience podcasting this is my only job in publishing you know so sorry about that this is paul's first real book while his previous book was just a collection of short stories so we're all rookies in this game that we're playing here so it's just paul and i have had two years working on this so far but Mm -hmm. we're grateful to have you on the show joining us as a regular contributor now rana thank you very much as long as we don't have another two years to go (laughs) no 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 six months top so no worries Okay, so this is chapter 24 of the Publish Me podcast for March 2017. Today we will be having on our guest Christine Mercer of Blue Shoe Strategy, discussing marketing strategy for the publishing industry. Now first, a few things to get through. Remember you can listen to this podcast on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, YouTube, and of course our website media.as21.com. But also we are now on the TuneIn Network. So for any of you 4 million subscribers to the TuneIn Network and you're listening to this podcast, now welcome! Thank you! Go back and listen to our old episodes because we have a lot of good stuff there. Hopefully you can catch up. I know since our show has been added to the network, every single episode already has had an additional three or four listens. Nice. So we've already been picking up new audience just from being on TuneIn. So this will be the first episode publishing to TuneIn. So welcome! Woo-hoo. Write to us. Let us know what you think. You can, so you can rate us on any one of those networks. You can reach out to us. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash publish podcast. We're on Twitter at publish podcast. And then, of course, you can email us publish podcast at as21.com. That's A-O-I-S 21.com. Write to us. Send us whatever you want to send us. If you don't like what we're doing and think we should stop, Hey, we've been doing this for two years, so it's kind of too late to get that message across. <laughs> but you could send anything you want along to us. Send us praise. Send any hate mail to Paul. I'll be sure to send it to him. I'll take all the hate mail you got. Yes. <laughs> and of course, our main contest here is the talk of the fantasy epic, The Will of the Magi. Now in the editing, well, beta reading and early editing stages, as well as the cover design stage, to be released this summer in hardcover, paperback, and ebook, successfully funded through an Indiegogo campaign. So everything's rolling here. In the words of Pittsburgh Steeler Antonio Brown, business is booming. Business is booming, baby. So it's time. It's March 2017. So let's see where we are, what's changed, what's happened since last month, in addition to, obviously, jumping on to tune in. Paul, have you heard from any beta readers? What's, what's going on? I have heard good things from my beta readers. Nice. Uh, I have not heard back from Corey yet. Mm-hmm. So I popped him off an email being like, how you doing? Yep. So hopefully I'll hear back from him shortly. Right. Most of the beta readers... You know, they have many good things and comments about things that need work as these things go. My <laughs> my grandmother in particular has been truly enjoying herself. So <laughs> this book is really well working with a, for a 93-year-old woman. So okay. there we go. Fantastic. <laughs> I All can right. sell my book to retirement homes. Yeah, we should talk to Christine about that <laughs> demographic. <laughs> uh, anywho, yes. All so, right. 
Things have been going well. Fantastic. And Rana, how have how has the process of bringing the cover, the artwork, and a image that is not an image of Aiden, bringing that to life? Uh, well, actually, messaged Paul about it a couple days ago. I've been doing some pl- preliminary thumbnails. I think I have about thirty thumbnails thus far. I have an idea about how I want to go about drawing Aiden, but not actually drawing Aiden. And Paul thinks it's a pretty cool idea. Now I'm just sort of like trying to actually bring that idea to fruition in a way that looks good. So okay. still in the formulating stages. Oh, that's fine. Of the image, but I'm like going back and forth with Paul about what kind of feeling do you want this image to evoke? Are you okay with this feeling? So, yep. I'm happy with everything she sent me and Rana sent me. I've, I've been truly enjoying. So, right. no it's, a, it's a very f- good feeling seeing someone bring your creation to life. Fantastic. Oh. And of course, it's all process. Rome wasn't painted in a day. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is true. If only it was. It, it was burned down in a day or two, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, destroying is obviously a much different thing than creating. Although some say the act of destruction is an act of creation, but it's not yet metaphysical. All right. Yes. Yeah. All right. We'll we'll stay away from that. Now, of course, since you last joined us, Rana, you had a convention that you had to go to. How did that go? It was amazing. Uh-huh. It was my first convention ever, like selling my artwork. I designed the logo for this year's theme. CatsCon 2017's theme was science, so I made a logo that kind of looked like a periodic table, and it was mind-blowing and surreal to see a thing that I designed on badges and posters and maps and, like, on LCD screens at the concert hall. I was just like, whoa, I did that! (laughs) Nice. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. And they asked me back next year, so I'm excited. All right. Good job. I really should come up with another synonym for excited because I feel like I'm saying that a lot today. <laughs> well, you're, you're just so excited you can't think of another word for excited. So that's it's perfectly reasonable. Absolutely. <laughs> and of course, for AS21, we have a few book fairs coming up. We just got our applications in for the Kensington Day of the Book in April. And hopefully we'll also be attending the Gaithersburg Book Festival in May again. And uh I'm looking into possibly attending Virginia Comic Con this fall. We had attended last year, February and June, and missed the fall show. But this year, we decided to put our focus more on the springtime conventions. And so, yeah, definitely, conventions can definitely be an interesting experience. So, you were how long of a day was that convention? I was selling prints of my work in the Artist Alley, which was open from like 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Holy. on Friday and Saturday. Wow. <laughs> and- yeah, and like 10 to 3 on Sunday. So I was there basically the entire time, but I had a steady stream of friends and helpers who would come sit with me and oh, like give me breaks and help like give me a chance to go get food, which was really kind of them. My boyfriend was there and he was a huge support. So it was it was exhausting, but it was also pretty enjoyable. Oh, that's fantastic. That's good to know. Cause I know I've definitely done a couple book fairs by myself and I've made sure to get the biggest breakfast I could possible. (laughs) All right, so a lot of good stuff going on. It's fantastic to hear that it went well. I'm hoping you did well monetarily as well, not just the experience. Yeah, I was about to say, I did pretty well for my first time ever, and one of the fun things that I did was I managed to go around the artist alley and trade art with some of the other (laughs) other artists, which was really cool. Yeah, I've I've definitely had that with book fairs, going around and trading books. That's one thing. You get a nice little community there of like-minded people, and often you can do that, and you can pull off those little trades. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's always <laughs> enjoyable. And everyone was so nice. It was, so, it was such a positive experience. I've been to a few conventions, and it's always, it's always a fun experience going to them and just meeting people. Right. It's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Anyway. All right, well, that's fantastic. Now it's time to move into our interview. This is Chapter 24, Book Marketing Strategy, and we are being joined by Christine Mercer, who comes to us thanks to our connection through podcastguest.com. We hereby welcome guest Christine Mercer of Blue Shoes Strategy, the founder and CEO of the company that's been operating since 1992. They've worked on a number of projects from strategy for President Obama's 2008 website to the first website for the Olympics and various marketing strategy for the past over 20 years. 
Thank you for joining us this month, Christine. How are you doing today? I'm great. It's really nice to be here. What a great topic, marketing around publishing. Yes. Yes. So uh, just where we are in our process, Paul has finished writing his fantasy epic, The Will of Magi. We are now in the editing and cover design process, and we will be releasing it this summer. So with that in mind, we're looking towards our marketing strategy as we gear up for the launch this summer. And so we wanted to have someone on with your expertise to be (laughs) able to talk to us uh, as we put this marketing strategy together and basically with the trends and changes that are happening in the marketing industry as a whole right now. So, Well, with independent publishing becoming what it is, and historically publishers used to totally control what books got what play both in the marketplace in terms of marketing, but also where they were housed in bookstores, et cetera. But now the the playing field's leveled, and it's a totally new market out there. And I I, I always go back to uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> I mean, for so many reasons. But right. <laughs> let's, let's just let's just start with the cover. You know, the Fifty Shades of Grey. They did a study about five years ago. Why did Fifty Shades of Grey take off when all the other Harlequin romances did not? And it was the cover. And the cover was one that you could read on the New York subway without being embarrassed. I don't know if you gentlemen have spent a lot of time in Fifty Shades, but the, co- <laughs> the cover is a is a very finely dressed, customized suit and tie type gentleman. Right. And it was totally different from any other Harlequin type front end that they had. And the study actually showed that the reason women bought that book was because they didn't need to feel embarrassed. It looked as if, it felt as if it were a legitimate book rather than the Harlequin romance that it really is. And so I would tell you that with everything that's out there today, two things really matter. One is your cover. I mean, I, I just can't, I can't explain it enough. Mm-hmm. And two, it's about getting in front of the right demographic. And it used to be, again, in days of old, when publishers would put out books, they would say, okay, women between the ages of 28 and 35 are going to read this book, and we're going to put it in the New York Times, and we're going to put it here, and they're going to read it, and we're going to tell them to read it, and that's why they're going to buy it. And they really controlled which books took off and which ones didn't. But nowadays, what you do is you look inside the book to find the demographic that might find it of most interest, and then you place it in front of them around the demographic. So not necessarily how the book is written or how well the author did in, in their descriptions, et cetera, but much more about what the content of the book is, which is how people are buying books today. Right. right. Well, I could tell you I did a book tour back in 2012, and we had a chain of bookstores in the Maryland suburbs around Washington, D.C. called The Literary Joint. And those bookstores, their primary sales were erotic fiction and they all pretty much every title i saw on their shelves all had some variation of the same cover it it was always some scantily clad woman and some very properly dressed man and usually you'd have some sort of shocked look on one of their faces (laughs) well you know and again those days have now changed but i we have to ask the next question. What what book were you promoting? Oh, you that, were... that was my first book. Uh, <laughs> okay, you, you may want to share that or not. Either way, oh, yeah. but I mean, so I, I'm not trying to say that the cover matters in an enormous way. What I am saying is that mm. that the writing it has to be exceptional. There's no question for a book to take off, and in a natural way, it has to be exceptional. But also, it has to have a visual excellence about it that makes me want to climb into it. And it's funny because, have you ever heard of litlovers.com? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Well, yeah, litlovers. Well, with more than a million, a million women mostly in there from book clubs all across America. It's the foremost book club book site out there, and I'm a partner in litlovers. And we do a lot of advertising. We've just started to allow books to advertising litlovers, and we have to have read the book, and we have to agree that it's a book worth putting in front of, the marketplace. But if it is, then we will allow people to advertise at quite a low rate. But there's this great book that just launched in late January. It's called I Liked My Life by Abby Fabiacci. And the first sentence, I think, is one of the best sentences I've read in 10 years. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but look up the book. So the book was bid on by four publishers. So it went to a bidding war, which never happened. 
happens anymore, right? Right. So we put an ad up for a week right. that had the cover of the book, um, and then the ad said, see why four publishers bid on this book. Okay, and we left that up there for two weeks. And then the next two weeks, we put up a reviewer's comment on the book, which said this is one of the best books I've read in I don't know how long. Okay, we had more than double clicking on the publisher ad. And the reason for that, in my mind, is because nobody cared what the topic was. They just figured that if everybody thought it was that good, they want to know what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's really about how you're promoting yourself and how you can layer yourself in to the demographics that you want to be in front of. So it's just very important. And social media, obviously, is one of the first plays around that. Well, yeah, I'm just looking at the Goodreads page for that book. And yeah, 4.38 stars. Well, wait a minute. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why would you look at Goodreads when I just told you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a major player at Lit Lover. Oh, I understand. <laughs> but you can go to Goodreads. Goodreads is the number one and, and right. Lit Lovers is number two. But go ahead. You can sit in Goodreads if you want. Oh, sorry. That's just my, my usual go-to. <laughs> exactly. But I know you're going to move to Lit Lovers after this podcast, sure. right? Absolutely. <laughs> I have Lit Lovers open right now. Okay. I'm... Thank you. Yay. <laughs> Paul's the man, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, and what does Goodreads say about it? You've got 507 ratings, which is fantastic. Mm. 4.38 stars. Mm. So. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she's you know she's doing really well. It's a great book. The book has to be good. Right. But, we, but by the way, you can have a great book that goes nowhere because it's not promoted properly. And Absolutely. let me tell you, Abby has to do, everybody now in today's world, one of the things book publishers look at is what is your following? Mm -hmm. Now, when they're deciding whether they're going to publish your book, you know, I'm sure you guys are looking at that over where you are, too. So are we. How large is your reach and how much can you expand it? So when you decide you want to be a writer and you want to be a published author, one of the first, first things you want to do is you want to set up a page, an author's page in Facebook and certainly on Instagram now. And you want to start to develop a following around the content that you're going to be writing about, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or children's books, and you want to start a following as soon as you can. Right. Yep. Well, that's one thing we've done with Paul. Uh, basically, this whole podcast started when he was still in the early phases of the writing process, so we've been trying to use the podcast as a way to generate a following to start with, and then we did a crowdfunding campaign to help cover some of the uh, publishing costs. So hopefully... And at least that has energized those that already knew Paul to support the project. So. And one of my, I, I'm not really tech savvy when it comes to advertising online, but I'm really, really good about word of mouth. And one of the things I do is, you know, I work with over a hundred different schools from around the New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania area. And I seem to always get paired up with their English teachers who, when an English teacher from middle school or high school learns that you're writing a book, the first thing they want to know is, you know, can my children read it? And, you know, when's it going to be out so I can have my children read it? That's one of the things I work with very easily is getting schools hooked on the idea of buying my book in mass. <laughs> well, yeah, which is the same thing as book clubs, schools, book clubs, etc. Certainly yeah. the children's books, too. Most schools, by the way, do have book sales that they do usually in the springtime. Yep. And if you can get your book into those schools, you'll do very, very well in sales. We have a book out now, Dougie Rocks, which was written by a single woman who happens to have a bulldog who adopted a young son. So it's about Dougie, who's the bulldog, and how she and Dougie adopted this kid, Jake. And it's this the story of the adoption and going to get him and everything else. And there's so when we look at those demographics, what we did was we broke it out. And we decided that would be good for anybody who's adopting because it's a great book to read to a kid who's been adopted to help them understand from whence they came. Okay. In addition to that, bulldog owners, I don't, do you guys own a bulldog? Uh, I used to. Okay, used well, apparently, yeah. I know, like, they're, you know, you guys are, quote, a special breed in terms of owners of dogs. Like, if you're a bu bulldog owner, you love everything bulldog, apparently. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I can't speak to that. But at any rate, so we put the book in front of both bulldog owners and people who have gone through adoption, and it took off. So, you know, again, deciding who the book represents mirrors you should look and say, who does my book mirror? 
Who does it look like? Who do the characters look like? And what is it a window into that which people aspire? And if you can pull into your mind the two groups and what they care about and what they have interests in, and then you put it in front of them, you're going to do better, especially than if you just try to go to book websites and do it. It's right. never going to work for you as well as if you put a book in a website or a marketing space that's about what the content of the book is about, even if it's fiction, you know. Very good. Yeah. I mean, conveniently for us, I, well, I should say conveniently and also as as this is a hard thing to think about, but we the book is epic fantasy, which besides romance, which we were talking about earlier, you know, Harlequin romance, everyone and their best friend is trying to get into the fantasy genre, I think, at this point. So there's always some place to prop it up online. But then again, you're also competing with, I, I think, what is fantasy? The second or third fastest growing genre these days? Well, it is, but I wouldn't call it a demographic category. Okay. Me meaning, okay. you know, like, because there's fantasy in all kinds of common interest areas. Mm. Fantasy would be the adjective, not the noun, in my mind, in terms of a demographic category. You have to go a little deeper. Okay. Yeah, so... So just tell me in a in two or three sentences what the book's about. What kind of epic what is Will what is Will doing that's so interesting? So The Will of the Magi is it's about a young boy named Aiden. And he is born a peasant in a kingdom where the use of magic is heavily structured in terms of the laws of the land, and essentially only the rich can use it. And if you're not rich and you're caught practicing magic, you're killed. And as a born peasant, he has that little issue of not being able to afford to go to the proper place to learn how to use his magic. That is so cool. Even I'm interested, even though I'm not. But <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm not really somebody. You know, I'm always the one who's saying I don't really believe that what I saw happened. I'm one, you know, I'm not. I'm not a magician's fantasy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but so obviously, if we demographic that out, that's a Harry Potter. Demographic, yeah. yeah, which means that you want to be in front of moms who have kids between a certain age of X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is I think I would go Midwest because I don't think rich moms want them to read this book, you know, necessarily. So in other words, I have to read the book to go into it more, but we would break the book down that seriously, that finitely. Because in today's marketplace, too, if you look at what's happening politically, and I don't want to get into politics here. Do not get me started. No, okay. <laughs> right, exactly. That's but fine. if you get look into the politics of today, the, the differential politically between the rich and the poor is really huge right now. So there's a whole thing going on there, which makes this book sort of interesting in that aspect as well. But you have to be careful with that. So The one thing I would also add is that the area I work in is – rural New Jersey. So I do have a little bit of access to that. But another demographic that is also very, that I would think would be very interested in this one would be urban poor. Because there is actually a fair bit of that there. So selling this to an area where there are apartment complexes and those kind of urban developments, I think would also probably do pretty well in that mindset. I don't know if you would agree with that. but Well, you know, I, I, would, look, I would look south Okay. And I, I would go to Oklahoma, Nebraska, Iowa. I think if you plant it there and really focus on it there, if you do your Facebook boosting buys in those demographical areas, mm -hmm. I think it would really take off there in a big, big way. If you look at just the, the results of all kinds of data that came out after the election, I think those parents would love to have a book like that. And by the way, I want to read it, so I hope you'll send me a copy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll even put it on Lit Lovers. All right. <laughs> that would be a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, you know, it's one of those book club books that might be of interest. You know what I mean? You never know. And right. one of the things I would also recommend is book clubs have come back big time. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Independent bookstores and book clubs. So what you want to do at the end of every book that's the, if you're publishing now is you do want to have your book club questions. And as you're putting your press packet together – uh, and you do need a press packet, although we don't ever call it that anymore because I don't really believe in PR around a book. I much more <laughs> believe in, in a strategic plan around a book. But in that packet, you want to put the questions and the author's answers around the questions for any book clubs because that's really one of the 
most natural ways books are taking off. Okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's always fun stuff. <laughs> I know, right? And also, it, you for sure are going to be a booster, meaning because if you look into Facebook's ability to boost and to put your plant your product in front of someone, right. you know, the fact that anybody who's interested in magic would find this of interest yeah. means that you can definitely drill down into Facebook in a way that's going to make that an easy sell. The key is going to be what's that image going to look like. And, you know, it's more like not since Harry Potter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's about it's about sort of appealing to them in that in that way. Right. Yeah. So, Christian, you talked a lot about with, with social media. You seem to have uh, focusing on using Facebook. Is that your preferred social media outlet? No, not necessarily for Paul's book. That it would be. Okay. But if it's a nonfiction book about business, then I would I would move to LinkedIn in okay. a much more major way. And we're, you know, we're launching. We have a book called Cliff's Notes. It's this sixty-something-year-old uh, guy who's a very guy's guy, who writes essays in a blog format that you normally see with women. But he sort of makes fun of his guyness. And so his demographic is, you know, a little bit older men. So over the age of 50, say. Okay. And they sort of have this mindset about, you know, gosh, it used to be easier kind of being around. <laughs> and would it be that my dad was, you know, you know, so... And so we would maybe place him on Facebook, and he's nonfiction. But if it were a nonfiction professional book, we would definitely do it in LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. But the book that you're talking about, um, Paul's talking about with the um, Will of the Magi, for sure, I would my main focus would be on Facebook. Yes, okay. for sure. Yep. Well, the second thing that my main focus would be is I would buy some really inexpensive digital ads on magic websites. Right. And, I, you know, because I believe in a blue ocean strategy about placing your books where there are no books. Okay. It's very hard to compete. Like if you think about it, in, if you're in a um, if you're fishing and there are 20 fishing boats smushed up together, who's going to catch the fish? Your, your likelihood of catching the fish is much less likely. So if you're going to spend money, you don't have to spend a lot. Let's just say you want to market with a budget of two hundred and fifty dollars a month or something. You know, and everybody mm-hmm. can try to pull that together. I would put my book where other books aren't. So I would take a digital ad out on Magic Site, and I would see how that played. Right. And if it played well, then I would increase the buy. And if it didn't, I'd move to a Magic blog and ask the blogger if they would review the book. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what's interesting is really interesting, interesting, interesting is that one of the things you have to do as an author, as you're marketing yourself, is to read other like books, books that are mirror your own. And books, yeah, books Paul, that are... Paul definitely has that down. <laughs> okay. okay, but then you know what, Paul? Then send yep. out your book to 20 of them and ask them if they would do a review of it. You'd yep. be surprised how many people will. They, you know, authors help authors. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is on your Facebook page or on your LinkedIn page, make sure you're touting other authors that you think are of equal caliber because who's ever reading them should also be reading you, and that's a good way to find that market. All right, cool. I like that. Uh, here is a quick question for you. With the example you just gave of say of putting of spending like two hundred and fifty dollars a month on you know to put it up on you know uh, some magic website or some magic blog. No, I was saying you could spend fifty dollars on that magic okay. site, but two hundred and fifty is the overall budget. Right. Yes. But so, what kind of numbers hypothetically would you look at? Let's say I, let's say I spent that fifty dollars to put on that web on that website. What kind of numbers would I be looking at uh, in terms of a return there? Am I looking at number of clicks? Am I looking at number of books sold that make that having spent that $50 worthwhile? Well, I would want to quadruple my money. Mm -hmm. So if I sold $200 worth of books, I'd feel okay about it. But depending, I don't know what your profit level is on the books that you're selling. But here's here's the way you measure that. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a great story, you know, with Barack Obama's Facebook page. So it reaches 25 million. Right. And my, my joke to my staff is, well, that's all very interesting, but SpongeBob has 45 million. <laughs> right. <laughs> and more than half the people who like an Obama page don't like Obama. 
you know, so I don't care about likes or clicks or anything else. I care about two things. One is engagement. I'm much more interested in a share than I am a like. Right. Okay. A like tells me you like me. Yay. Pick me, choose me, love me. But that's not really helpful. Sharing is times seven twice. So if I share it, it means that I'm expanding that reach times seven and then times seven again. So when you multiply those factors out, I'll take a share over a like any day. And I especially like engagement around comments and things because the way algorithms work in Facebook is, you know, Facebook basically, I mean, to simplify it, they sort of determine whether you're a loser, an okay, or a winner. Mm-hmm. And right. a loser is somebody who you keep putting the same kind of content up, but you're not getting any engagement. So I care more about what the return on my growth is. So is, is it putting my book out to a much larger spread? But I would also say that if 50 people clicked on the link that you put up on, on something you took an ad for and nobody purchased, then the ad's in the wrong place or the ad says something that it shouldn't be. Right. So, ch- yeah, change the ad before you dump the market. And if the second ad doesn't do any better than the first, then you're in the wrong place, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I I can't give you a specific number of what your percentage is. The general numbers that are well known would be 6%. So if 6% of the people who click purchase, you've done well. Okay, cool. Now, one of the avenues we were exploring for promoting of Paul's book was we were going to reach out. I know at uh, we have the Renaissance Festival in the D.C. suburbs, and it has a bookstore as part of their setup. So we were going to reach out to that bookstore and other ones like it at some of the other Renaissance fairs throughout the East Coast for possibilities to have Paul come in for a signing. Yeah, anytime... Paul, are you really entertaining and clever and good-looking and all kinds of fun things? That depends on who you ask. <laughs> okay, have you guys ever heard of the have you ever heard of the singer Meatloaf? Probably before your time. Absolutely. Right? Oh no, oh yeah, we know okay. Meatloaf. Okay, Meatloaf well great. <laughs> all right. But you don't know what he looks like because every album cover they ever did for him, his picture wasn't on it because he was unfortunate looking. Mm-hmm. And they were afraid that people wouldn't buy because of the way he looked. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, so again, uh, you know, because this podcast is going out, it's not just about Paul, right? It's about right. other people too. Absolutely. Right. You know, if you're really good at it and you're comfortable in a public arena and, you know, the more signings you can do, the better. But also your book has to be interesting to be read aloud or some sort of topic around it. Now, I assume his is like, if you could do a magic trick, you'll sell books. If you can add a magic trick little piece of paper inside the book that's a magic trick. I mean, there's so many ways to make sure that people, you know, people purchase based on impulse around an entertaining or engaging experience they had with you or the book. And so, again, you know, all of us believe that anything we've ever written is really, really good. And at the same time, we have to remember that for them to buy the book, they, there has to be another reason because, right. because unless you're, you know, somebody really, really famous, you're, that's not going to happen for you. So, right. so I think you've got a million ways to, to do that. So if publicly you're really comfortable, I think it's great to do those. I do. I think it'll do really well. Make sure you use it on social media. Make sure you register. Make sure you invite people in that geographic area to come. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure you don't just show up and then walk away and don't do the due diligence before, during, oh. and then after. Absolutely. Yeah, we we try to always <laughs> do posts on Instagram throughout the event. We do try to do saturation with Twitter and Facebook in the area. So. Yeah, I think, by the way, I mean, the one thing I can tell you is that, and, and people say that I'm sometimes a little harsh. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to be really nice here tonight because oh, please be harsh. Okay. Okay. Be harsh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Then understand that people don't care about you. They care about themselves. Right. And Absolutely. so if you're putting pictures up of yourself at the event saying, here he is reading from his book, that is of zero interest to anyone entertaining, mm-hmm. you know, so what make sure that the content you're putting up is maybe a quote from the book or maybe you put up a little video about some kid who you have him read a page from the book or a paragraph from the book. It, it cannot be just about that or do the magic trick on it or something around, you know, the, the connection because if it doesn't entertain, engage, or educate me, at Blue Shoe we call it the three E's, entertain, engage, and educate, then you're not going to get a strong following. And frankly, you've wasted my time. Mm -hmm. 
Gotcha. You can't. You cannot do an infomercial of your own. Yeah, which right. most people, no by like, the way, do. Yeah, right, they yeah. Yeah, Everyone yeah, turns so. the information off. So yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I yeah, nobody. Had, they care about themselves. They don't care about you. Not that you're not a great guy to care about, Will. I'm sure you know, <laughs> Paul. Yeah, Paul. Sorry, uh, Will's. I mean, Will's a great guy to care about. Paul, I'm sure, is fabulous. But <laughs> I actually had a friend of mine try this one marketing strategy for her book at a literary convention, and what she had set up was a small camera and then basically it projected whoever walked in front of it on the screen and their face took up the main face of the image on the book cover and you know that little gimmick got her a lot of extra sales because you know people stopped it caused a lot of commotion in the hallway of the of the hotel but you know i figured that's another gimmick i guess that you know I don't know if you. I don't know what your thoughts would be on that kind of. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, people care about themselves, not about her. So, yeah. a picture of me on a cover, I'm in. Especially yeah. to give me a copy of it that I can put on Instagram. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a great idea. She she did really well. What was her book about? Curiously, I'm I'm curious. That particular one was on people from Staten Island who were mutated by the toxins in the Staten Island dump to gain superpowers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you lost me at hello on that. <laughs> I figured, but. <laughs> but, by the way, that's an incredibly distinguished finite market that would be easy to put in front of. Right, right. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. That could be a really good book for it. I mean, not that I'm not involved in the, you know, environment and I really try to do everything I'm supposed to do and I drive a Prius. So I don't even know. I can't even tell you how hard I try. Mm-hmm. But. I don't want to read that. Right. <laughs> so, but there are people who would, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Finite market, finite market. Anytime you're in a finite market, you're going to find it easier, you know. So, I do want to say that I do a lot of public speaking, you know, because I'm really funny sometimes. And I started doing this sort of lecture series that I was asked to do by especially women writers groups, and it was for independent people who are publishing independently. And it's one of the reasons we set up our publishing division was because we could see that, you know, we, we publish books, we read them. And if, if our group of editors that look at them think the book, we, that we can market it with that person, we work with that mer- person to market the book and we publish the book. But at the end of each segment of this workshop, so many people will come up to me and say, Oh my God, you know, can Blue Shoe do our marketing for us? And my answer would be, you know, no, you can't really afford us because we come in at a much higher level. So we started a Blue Shoe cooperative where we will help people in terms of their own personal marketing of their book. Because even if you got a publisher to publish your book, you again are still responsible for marketing it and you have to have a marketing plan to really execute it out because the hard part, everybody always thinks is writing the book, but really the hard part is making sure the book gets seen. It right. is, it's always going to be your sort of catch 22. Yeah. And that, that's the part that burns people out the most. I think it's, you know, again, like you said, anyone can write a book and everyone has written a book, but very few people have the ability and the stamina to go out for the long haul of getting their books sold. Well, uh, you know, but, by the way, again, more than ever recently, books are being read. I mean, people are buying books again. This is uh, true. And secondly, the playing field's leveled in terms of being able to get out there. And for very reasonable amounts of money, you can you can get your book seen. So mm-hmm. but the bad news is it's a saturated market, meaning there are more, way more books out there than people to buy them. Right. Okay, but the good news is In a saturated market, if you're smart and if you really understand what your demographic is and you look at the common denominator of interest for your demographic rather than anything else, you'll be able to market your book to huge success. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So now from my own background on marketing, so we have the four Ps. So we've already talked about three of them. We have product in this case, Paul's book, The Will of the Magi. We talked about place and going towards, maybe towards the Midwest and independent bookstores, but also you know, what social media sites we can do. Promotion, doing the Facebook ads as well as ads on magic sites, things of the like, like-minded blogs. Now, what would you say about 
when you consider this is a fantasy epic, it's over 250,000 words, so it's going to be a pretty thick book when it's done. Any thoughts on a pricing model for when this is coming out? What, is there a price that you would think would be too high that would uh, probably would, that would hurt Paul's book in the reading community? You know, the pricing is always the tipping point of anything. Mm -hmm. In my mind, you know, you can always cut your price. You cannot increase the price. So better to start a little bit high and then discount if you have to, you know. So, but I don't know. What I will tell you is this. I have no idea. But you have to do due diligence around it. So, you know, is it a hardcover? Is it launching as a hardcover? Yes. It'll be launching hardcover, paperback, and ebook. Okay, so, you know, obviously, I, I don't know. I'd have to do the due diligence, and I would look at what the market can bear. So if you're going to decide that that demographic is not the rich person in New York City, but, right. you know, then you're going to go on the lower side. And I will tell you this, especially when it comes to books, best not to be gluttonous. Right, right. You know, I mean, how much, you know, if you look at retail, if you look at a shirt, okay, you know, 60%, Markup is a successful cost of goods sold number around it. Okay, books can be triple, quadruple that amount, you know, percentage amount. You know, you can, the book can cost to put out $4 and you can sell it for $24, you know. So, but when you're a first time author going to market, it's really about getting a large group of people to purchase. That's your goal. Right. Um, especially if you believe in your book, you know. So, I don't, I don't know that I would price it high, but you have to do the due diligence around what people are paying for that type of uh, work. Right. Okay. So I, I don't know the answer to that question. Right. <laughs> that was a very long-winded way of telling you I have no idea. <laughs> but, but you gave us a lot to think about there. Yeah, I mean, that's, exactly. I mean, obviously, uh, price. I mean, the main points of price would be the cost of actual production of the book, and then you know various distribution fees that we have to pay. Obviously, Amazon has their 35 to 70% distribution fee and actually there uh, you know we're not we're not paying amazon that anymore you don't have to pay amazon that okay. you know you you know amazon you know again what's interesting uh, let me give you a little tip on amazon okay shh don't tell anybody okay promise okay promise. just between the three of us here sure. <laughs> just between us girls right so, <laughs> okay uh, here's the thing on amazon when you're putting a category in pick this obscure category you just made up because if you do that and there's only four books in your category, then they're going to tout you as number one in your category, even if there's only three books behind it. Ooh. And once you're touted as number one in a category, um, you will get a stronger play on Amazon. There's ways to play the Amazon game. I'm just giving you one. There are tw- 20 ways to play the Amazon game. Um, but that's one. So especially in yours, you know, Paul, that category, you can make up a really obscure category. And uh, being number one in a category also allows you to market it. We're number one in Amazon in, this, in, our, in our category. You don't have to say that your category is a made-up category that has no other books in it. You know? like, uh, yeah. like young adult post-medieval fantasy <laughs> epic fiction. With yeah, a... done, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, very good. So. All right. Okay, so I hope that was helpful. Oh, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, great to talk with you guys, and thanks for inviting me. Oh, thank Thank you so much for joining us, Christine. It was a pleasure. Is there anything you would like to promote? Your chance to... Okay. All right. I will tell you one thing. Okay. Okay, It has nothing to do with marketing. Okay. But I care about movies and television, and I have a podcast with... I'm actually Hollister in the podcast called ScreenThoughts.net, and my partner in it is O'Toole, and we're two women podcasters, and we, by the way, have a five-star ranking in iTunes, and we're one of the foremost podcasts out there that do movie and television. So it's ScreenThoughts.net, and hope if you're interested in movies, you'll come and listen to us. Absolutely. I'll sign up right after this podcast. Yay! Okay. Since you're such a movie buff, I have to ask... Moonlight or La La Land? Oh, my God. I, I walked out of La La Land halfway through it. Really? I think it is the most self-serving, self-absorbed, uh, nominated because everybody loves themselves so much in Hollywood they can't stand to, to not be just totally enamored with the incredible way they did a stupid movie, which, by the way, if you could go back to the great, uh, you know, 
dancers of the 40s and 50s, you know, those people were not talented. I mean, mm -hmm. I love Ryan Gosling. I think he's a great actor. I think Emma's a great actor. But neither one of them can dance and sing. True. And so are you serious? If if America had determined whether that would have been a movie, you know, in that level, there's no way it would have been there. But other than that, I have no opinion. Okay. I know I, I personally haven't seen Moonlight yet, but I, I plan to. And I, I did see La La Land, and I, I enjoyed it. But I can understand the thinking on that. Yeah, it's I just, did, yeah. just in the light of the uh, major snafu at the Oscars last week. That. Well, you know, there's... <laughs> Um, I did marketing in the late 70s, early 80s. I was big in marketing at P. Mark Mitchell. And we were always very jealous of Price Waterhouse. You know, <laughs> he made a terrible mistake to be Instagramming pictures and stuff behind the scenes. It should never have happened. Right. And it, well, I think it is a big deal. You know, um, I do. I, I think it's a big deal. But I, I think Moonlight was a great film. But for me, I, you know, I, I really felt that that there were some interesting movies that maybe didn't get such a big play, which we don't have to go into tonight. But, okay. uh, you know, there, you know, La La Land, I just thought was so, it was just a, a narcissistic um, nomination. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you go. No, no but it, yeah, not, not, I don't have a strong opinion, as you can see. No, no, no. <laughs> exactly. No, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you don't have a strong opinion, you know, why bother? Yeah. I know, exactly. <laughs> Actually, I'm not as strident in many other things, but that was one of my big, big pushes this year, is you've got to be kidding me. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so thanks again, you guys. Really appreciate being here. All right. Well, thank you, Our Christine. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, right. talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, that went pretty well. Thank you very much to Christine Mercer of Blue Shoe Strategy for joining us today. That went really fantastically. And... uh very happy that we were able to work that out. And thanks again to podcastguest.com for putting the two of us together. So far, the, we've had a couple guests come on that, through that connection, and they've both been fantastic. So I've been very happy with that. So, uh, And for those wondering, yeah, unfortunately, Rana couldn't be there for the interview, so that was just me and Paul being there asking. But Rana's here now, so thank you for that. Thank you for being part of this again, Rana. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. So now... Uh, in the month ahead, so we'll be coming back next month, April 2017, for Chapter 25. We're planning to have Editor-in-Chief Corey Parker joining us again to talk about how the editing process of the Will of the Magi is going. So it'll be another sort of update-update episode where we're update on editing and update on cover design and just basic updates on everything. And we'll try to have some extra special nuanced thing there for those that are listening to the podcast not just for updates but also to learn something like you learned today on book marketing from christine mercer so be on the lookout we'll have some information about that and and of course i encourage you to listen to any of the other wonderful podcasts from the as21 podcast network including we got a new brother podcast called it's not even past a history of the distant present by Evan Tucker that just launched. In fact, the first episode posted this past Friday. It's a cultural history podcast in the vein of Dan Carlin's hardcore history, but nowhere near as long. So, <laughs> so those episodes we coming out occasionally. It's not on any set basis like some of the other podcast series. So, but be sure to check out all of the great AS21 podcasts at media.as21.com, especially with the poetry podcast, Passion on the Page, will be coming to a close shortly. We're down to the final few episodes of that, and then that will be coming to a close. And, of course, we always encourage you, if you would like to support this podcast, there are two ways you could do so. We have accounts set up for the AS21 Podcast Network with Patreon, and you could support us at $1 a month, $2 a month, $50,000 a month, whichever you want to do, and we will give you, we have some special opportunities for you. We can have some swag to send you, and we have some special outtakes and other recordings from previous podcasts that we'll share with you if you will be a patron. And of course, we'll gladly gush over your generosity to us on any of our podcasts. Then, of course, we have Advertise Cast, where you can go and see our rates to be a sponsor for these podcasts. So your ad, 30 to 45 seconds, could be appearing on this and other AS21 podcasts, and you could be the sponsor for episodes like this. This, is, this month's sponsor is Screen Thoughts, a podcast series hosted by Christine Mercer in her 
uh, alter ego of Hollister. So be sure to check out Screen Thoughts for movie news and feedback. I, I know I'm going to be giving it a listen. Paul said he was going to try to. So absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so what what will be going on for the next month for you two? Uh, well, I'm gonna try to devote like a few like solid days just to uh, sketching out this book cover design. I work better when I have like a good chunk of time to just sit down and like work through the drawing. So I have a day job mm-hmm. <laughs> like you do. So I'm going to make some time on my days off uh, to do that like tomorrow. So hopefully I'll have some sketches to send you and Paul throughout the month and some more detailed line art. The due date for the book cover for me is beginning of April. So I'm going to shoot to have it done before then. Always fantastic. <laughs> All right, Paul, what do you have up coming up this coming month? I have a couple of my beta readers to bug more <laughs> to see if I can get some more information out of them other than we really like it. Grandmothers are <laughs> wonderful people, but critiques, I got some, but you know, I need more. I'm also going to be officially beginning the next book that I'll be writing this month. Okay. That, that wonderful poll that some of you may have voted on, I'll be working on uh, Lady with Scales. All right, fantastic. Okay, and as always, pretty much you can follow along with what I'm up to with AS21, whether it be the continuation of the Literary This Week weekly podcast and various events coming up. Uh, We just had an event this past weekend. Former podcast guest Eileen Vega, host of the Sex Vex Perplexed podcast, her book, Dating as Told by the Modern Whore, is now available in paperback. So we had a release party this past Saturday at Walls of Books in Washington, D.C. That went very well. They even broke out some wine, so it was a nice, enjoyable time for all. And uh, some audio from that appearance will be appearing coming out as the next episode of the Sex Vex Perplex podcast, so check that out. And then, of course, getting ready for its book fair season. we got Kensington coming up. We're going to have, hopefully, Gaithersburg, and, uh, well, we're going to be out and about and being things. I know, uh, you know, be on the lookout. We'll have new books available, new things coming, so visit as21.com and Keep up with what's going on. All right. Thank you very much. This has been Chapter 24, Book Marketing Strategy for March 2017. We'll be back next month on April 7th. You can reach out to us, facebook.com slash publishpodcast, twitter.com at publishpodcast, or email publishpodcast at as21.com. And, of course, you can listen to this podcast on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, YouTube, and TuneIn as well as our website, media.as21.com. For AS21 Publishing, I am Keith F. Shovlin. I'm Ron Gaynor. And as always, I'm Paul Dickinson Russell. Remember, where there are thoughts and ideas, there are stories. We'll see you next month. Copyright 2017, AS21 Publishing, LLC. All rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be?